0: (laughs) hello everybody welcome back to the game ray technology the future report podcast it's episode three uh today is february 7th and we're going to be talking about some new and interesting developments in the software industry the first one uh, coming from nvidia so this just came out two days ago Uh, this is from guru3d as per usual they're always killing it with the articles dlss 3 now available on older nvidia graphics cards including the 20 series the 30 series and if your card has tensor cores might also mean the 1660 and 1650 through a mod pack so this through is just, mods through mods okay. and it, it confirms the 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 uh expectation like what we knew about the original release of the 40 series um dlss3 is a it's a gimmick
1: okay so so do you know um so this is unofficial yep. as you said uh do you know if it would void your warranty
0: no because it's software so basically what you do um, the It's a GitHub. Okay. You go to the GitHub. They'll provide you with DLL files that you then go into the game of your choice that supports DLSS 3, and you replace them. So what it does, um, as far as I know, it uses FSR 3 Fluid Motion, which just came out from AMD, and then it essentially replaces the DLSS 3 proprietary API in the game, at which point you can then boot it up on any of those aforementioned cards, okay, and it'll improve your frames by like 75%.
1: So this is just the 20 and 30 series? No, 20 series,
0: 30 series, and then it said any cards that have tensor cores, which okay, I believe yeah. the, on, the only ones that have those are the 16 series. And the 40 series already has that, right? That's yeah. just built in. Yeah, it's built That's in. like the selling point of the 40 series. But if all it takes is a DLL replacement to get 40 series performance on for example like a 4080
1: and DLL replacements are really easy cuz they just they just find their own files. Yeah, you just replace it and then
0: as as long as I'm I don't do DLLs often but as long as it matches up close enough with what the original one did there's really not much of an issue with yeah. compatibility. Which is interesting because now we have to see will Nvidia try to lock down on this behavior and you know try to make games have I don't know, hash some checks and different security things to try to prevent stuff like this from happening? Or are game developers going to include this by default in certain games to make their performance Yeah, better? why
1: would the game developers themselves want there to be like less of this going around? Wouldn't they want people to enjoy their game more? In a way, yeah. Well, I have a different opinion on it. It would be more of like a, the graphics manufacturers would want people not to be able to have access to this. So NVIDIA would not want... Well, you yeah, because that.
0: how else are you going to move a ton of forty, sixty-eight gigs in forty, fifties when that comes Which out are outrageously overpriced? When you could buy a twenty, seventy super used off of Facebook Marketplace for one hundred and twenty dollars, and then DLSS or DL swap an existing new game. Yeah, but what I will say on this is, I think this is this is where software as a service in production products is problematic. Um, when you sell hardware and then you basically are also selling software locked to that hardware, this, this is what happens.
1: Yeah, so what kind, of, uh, what kind of performance increases are we seeing with this? Well, like I said before, it's like 75%.
0: So if you're getting 40 FPS in like dying light, uh, one of the games is the new Spider-Man game, Cyberpunk, uh, A Plague's Tale Requiem, which I've actually never played that last one. No. And I've seen people play Miles Morales and I've played Cyberpunk. But they perform decently on 30 series. I haven't really gotten my hands on 20 series to really play it. Yeah. But usually the average is like on a 1080p monitor, 70 FPS, add 75%, and now you're at your monitor refresh rate limit. So yeah. it's just free performance. And in this situation, uh, NVIDIA calls it free performance, when re- in reality, RTX is gate kind of walled behind that purchase yeah, of the RTX don't... card. This is actually free performance. Yeah. Which is crazy.
1: Yeah, because if that your card is already capable of it, it's just locked to not be able to do that.
0: Yes, it's, it's in the software. It's kind of, well, like I was gonna say a second ago, my opinion on it is that this is good. In my opinion, this technology should have been for older cards. This should have been the, the thing that kept the 1080 Ti around longer, not forced me to buy a 4070. Yeah. And in the same kind of string, it also, like string of thought, train of thought, Um, as a game developer, I like and dislike this because in some scenarios you can't make something perform better than it already is. Yeah. Like if you're doing massive scale maps or something, there's going to be a point where you can't optimize it. But then I've seen smaller games that perform terribly because the devs can just plug in DLSS and fluid motion frames and call it a day instead of actually going in and optimizing the game, which that hurts your the percentage of people playing your game, that demographic of people on older computers that thought that the point was to make a game as optimized as possible and then add is basically make it as scalable as possible, but I'm seeing more often than not with these new releases where they just throw stuff together. If it's optimized, whatever, DLSS will fix it. And I'm not a fan of that.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can see why you wouldn't be a fan of that. I mean
0: yeah, it's the same situation with like cars. When you buy a BMW, and the heated seats are in the yeah. car, but you have to pay a subscription. But at the
1: same time, like, why would you not want DLSS three to be available for the older cards? You, they, it isn't. That's the problem. You would want that, but it isn't. No, but I, I'm saying through this side loading option. Yeah, I mean,
0: it only it only it, works. of course it
1: would be it would be nicer if Nvidia allowed it to be on all the. Uh, all the other graphics cards i agree because it's just software it's like it's Mm -hmm. like adding an update yeah and just letting half your devices not use the update even though it would make but some things
0: aren't even capable of running it. it's not really like a software limitation to an extent like this already proves that while there is hardware limitations like you need tensor cores there's still like it's still a software limitation as much as it's a hardware limitation yeah and seeing developers making games that can't even run on systems that are only four or five years old, I think that there needs to be a balance is what I'm saying. Not that it's good or bad, just that I think that we're out of balance right now in Mm. the current state of things. But yeah, that's what we have for FSR 3. It's kind of interesting that... Oh, DLSS 3, I'm sorry. It's interesting because it literally uses AMD's own solution, FSR 3, to achieve this, which I thought was kind of funny because FSR 3, the point of that... Isn't to sell cards necessarily, it's to improve performance on older cards. Yeah. So it's a different mindset, but it's the same it's idea. It's the same yeah. Same fundamental idea, different execution. Yep.
1: Alright, so on uh, onto our second topic here. We have side loading on Apple is now available, or soon to be available in the EU. Uh, obviously not in America, because why would they do that?
0: From what I've seen, Americans don't want it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, only in the european unions is this going to be available uh, it's going to be the ios 17.4 mm-hmm. software developer kit so that's just basically a way that apple will be sending uh, a template over to uh, the individuals who are wanting to make an application for the side loader uh, like with the requirements pretty much do we much. know what version of ios we're on right now like how far out is uh, this i'm not sure I, i'm not i'm not really up to date on that i think it might be Seventeen, actually. seventeen. I, I think it's seventeen. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, Current you looked that iOS. up, and I'll continue with this. Uh, it's going to be an alternative to the Apple Store. Obviously, it's just going to be just another store that you're available. That's going to be available on uh, Apple phones. It's it's kind of like how we have the Galaxy Store, which nobody uses, and then Google Play. It's just another store that's going to be available. We're on um,
0: seventeen point. Oh, or 17.1 at the moment. So it's pretty near. Yeah,
1: it's it's like right 17. It's right around the corner. Yeah. So um, there's going to be probably a lot of restrictions with this. We know that uh, there's going to be a lot of fundamental rules that are going to be involved in this. So only people who actually get certified to have an app on there are going to be able to. It's not just like anyone can add a repository to there and, and just uh, have a game available or an application. It still has to be... Uh, confirmed, like the, uh, Apple has to send testers through it, I believe, and and make sure that the game is or the application is ready to be on their side loader. So,
0: what I want your opinion on this? Do yeah. you think that Apple will make it significantly cheaper to host your own separate marketplace than it would be to simply submit your app to the App Store? And then you pay the. So
1: I think fee? that that it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be cheaper to. To do it through the Apple Store, because I think that they want people to be doing things through the Apple Store because it gives them more ability to make money mm-hmm. uh, but I think that it's still going to be just as difficult to get onto the Apple Store because they make it difficult, and you can get on there in most cases there's there's not that many requirements per se, but um, you do have to cost of
0: entry you yeah have you have
1: to year. you have to pay. Every year, you have to pay a percentage of whatever you make from the game, and then uh, you have to send the game in for review, or yeah, whatever game, game, the app, the game, and It's, they, it's they like
0: 70, 30%. That's 30% cut, I believe. I,
1: I don't know what percentage, I remember people complaining about I it don't being want high, to.
0: <laughs> so I think it was like a 30% cut, but even okay. still, that's... That, but that is interesting because what you said of it being cheaper to go through the app store for individual programs... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, because I'm there's saying no like prices to, available. Yeah. But like based on what we're thinking, like if it's cheaper to put an entire app on the app store as opposed to like submitting a custom marketplace for review. But if Apple lets you do all of your own transactions on that marketplace, then it could still be a large. It could be an investment worth making.
1: Yeah. I just. I don't know which one is going to be better. I don't have a lot of information on the, the new one because it's through the EU and yeah, because it's not We'll never get not our hands on it, so it doesn't... It doesn't matter too much for, for us specifically. But uh, as far as the, the side loader goes, that's pretty much all we have. It's, it's going to be available in the, uh, the European Union. It's going to be a developer kit basically for, for people who want to be putting an application on there. Um, and there's going to be restrictions, obviously, but we just don't know what those are yet. Good stuff. Good stuff. So the next thing I have here,
0: um, SK Hynix, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, they're most known for SSDs and other kind of more fundamental computer components that you wouldn't necessarily see as much more than they're just kind of on the back end. Um, they are changing the semiconductor market. And they announced today, actually, um, that they're, they've put out a public roadmap to how they're going to improve um, their utilization of recycled and renewable materials. So in production, they're trying to make it so that way by 2025, um, they'll have upped their percentage of recycled content to 25%, and then up to 30% based on weight by 2030. Being they're, wow. Them being the first to actually do this.
1: That's crazy. So I wonder, I wonder what their uh, their steps to like, I guess repurifying. This the is all we materials. have.
0: This is probably the shortest topic we've ever had on the podcast to date because there's so little information about it. But yeah, it is I, interesting. I
1: wonder, I wonder how they're going to do that. Are they going to melt it down or because yeah. you can't really melt silicon? Can that's you? the thing? It's so refined as it is to yeah. get it to where it's at. I mean, there was a um, and there's so many impurities. It's kind of like uh, cast iron. You can't reuse cast iron because any little like metal chips or anything that get into cast iron are there permanently and then it's no longer pure cast iron, so you can't recycle that. I just wonder how the like what are the steps to recycling That's what I was wondering. and the thing and
0: is thirty percent could imply no silicon and they might be reusing pcBs that they can recover, but then take. That's true. Certain things off Yeah,
1: because you might lose the semiconductor completely. You might just lose the Like, we've had experiences
0: where we can visibly see on components certain things like MOSFETs and certain capacitors burn. Yeah. And as a consumer, you would see something like that on the back of your card and assume, oh, no, my graphics card is ruined. But to an engineer or someone who does micro soldering, that's a capacitor replacement or a MOSFET replacement or a
1: resistor replacement or a trace repair. And that's something that they might be doing. Yeah, if and there's like... there's so many materials on the boards as it is. Like it it might not be it might just be thirty percent of whatever is on there. Like they might be salvaging resistors mm-hmm. or capacitors or something. But there's also uh, as we saw for a while when when we didn't have great like conductors before, we used to use gold. So people would actually harvest motherboards and and mm-hmm. just. PCBs and and they would just they would melt down the gold and they would sell the gold so that could be something that they're doing They're they're just harvesting whatever components they can and storing those that could be part of the recycling deal yeah so
0: it might what you mean is it's not recycling to remanufacture you mean recycling to like recoup cost by Uh, selling it
1: well I I don't know because we have so little information on it well well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't haven't have, seen the roadmap. We don't have percent. information on it. They've put it out. Um, but, but that would roadmap... be cool to see, like, what are they actually recycling? Because there's so much to a PCB or... I don't know. Like, what, what are they actually... It's just recycled materials in all of products.
0: I'm actually going to look this thing up. I'm looking up their uh, sustainability roadmap to see if they've publicized it on their site. Because PR Newswire actually has another article on it. Um... Here we go. As part of the plan, SK Hynix will start with essential metals for semiconductor production such as copper, tin, and gold, and replace them with recycled materials. Industry experts point out that metal materials are the most effective when it comes to resource circulation as they account for a large proportion of the weight of finished uh, memory products and are difficult to replace with other materials. Okay. So, it, so they're they're just replacing the conductors on the boards. Correct. So it's pretty much what we just said. With it's, recycled materials. Yeah. So they're gonna probably just reuse working ones that have come back through in past testing and they're gonna just Well it's
1: them. it's just conductors. So it'd be traces and, yeah. and wires and things like that. That's what they're gonna be recycling and, and resustaining. So what, which is now here's something interesting.
0: Now here's what well, this begs the question. Because of that additional like processing that's required to make each and every product now, right? Does it make it cheaper, or does it make it more? Expensive? Yeah, that's
1: what, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Like, it, how much cheaper is it going to be for them? Because they wouldn't make such a change like this unless it was going to make them money and be able to possibly change the. Um...
0: But the, uh, to this date, they've been a more like. I guess you could say, they've been more of an economy-friendly company with so that at their forefront. I'll, so I is this like uh, a company policy, or is this like a, like a productivity
1: and performance and cost-effective cost, of, like cost effective measure? That's or a, is that a company a policy? Question. So so here's what I'll say. I, I'm in a business class right now, so I, I'm taking uh, a couple of those. And uh, one of the things that we were learning about is how companies increase or decrease their market share. So once you have a a market share, if you increase the price of your whatever you're selling, you're going to lose market share. But how are you supposed to make more money? So there are two ways to do that. You either decrease the cost of your component and lose profits. That will increase your your profit share. Or you make the product cheaper for you to manufacture. Mm-hmm. So that's actually how Poland Springs Uh, Increase their market share way back. It wasn't even that long ago. It was in like 2012 or something like that. Uh, And what did they do? So basically, they just said, how are we supposed to do this? If we need to increase our market share and increase our profits, how can we do this without increasing the price and therefore losing market share? They actually just said, let's decrease how much plastic we use in the bottles. And not only will that increase our profit margins, but we will also say we're going green. So they made more money, and mm-hmm. they started helping the environment. And they gained respect And they in gained way. respect, which gave sense. them even more market share. Which I think, and because I learned about that literally last night, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> hey, listen, this is preparation.
0: Looking, here we are, perfect preparation.
1: This is exactly what I'm seeing right here. It, it might be one of those things. It's not a scheme they're legitimately helping they're they're recycling 25 percent, which might be that could be as much as like 20 tons a year mm-hmm. of just recycled metals that they're not just taking taking out of the earth anymore they're reusing it so that could be huge for not only the sustainability of a product but also the price in which it takes to to produce it
0: sk hynix has an image here and um It's about as simple as you just laid it out. Um, It's quite literally, and in the editing, for those of you watching this on YouTube, I'll provide a pop-up of this so you can see it, Um, but it's a picture that states Eskehanix's recycled and renewable materials targets, and it's literally just two battery icons almost, or ruler kind of graphs, and it says, Twenty twenty-five, twenty thirty, and it's a twenty-five percent and a thirty <laughs> percent. <laughs> so I guess um, the graphics designer was just told to make this on such short on short notice. But I mean, they've provided a lot of details. So it's all uh, one thing to note is that it's all pre-consumer waste in the manufacturing process that's going to be going back in. So maybe I, that makes it interesting. So are they going to be harvesting them from like pre-built or from like send-ins or from... Oh man, I, I have no idea where they're going to be think They'll from. find a way but it's cool. Yeah. I like to see this because it ha- it's always frustrating because <coughs> one of the things that we did before we started this business uh, just kind of a little bit of a backstory for the two of us is that uh, we would take things that didn't work and turn them into stuff that did be mm. it office computers, scrap builds. We had a company give us an old server computer some seven or eight years ago and we were using that for a long time to play Minecraft and that kind of stuff is always fun yeah. and um, throughout that process you always gotta pull out a bunch of stuff that just isn't gonna work and it's cool that even below that level of scrapping that we were doing where we were taking things that were just old there's now hopefully in the near future gonna be companies that take even the things that are completely non-functional mm. and turn it into something good so yeah. that's what we got for that um, if you like to take us away with the next one yeah we one.
1: got um, there's actually spyware in Ace Magic mini PCs uh, during an in-depth look there was uh, some malware found. Uh, it's, it's buried in these computers, in the uh, various files. Some of the programs that were found were NDEV and Eddydev. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what those actually do. I'm pretty sure it's just spying. It, it can, As far as I know, it just records keystrokes and stuff, and, and uh, they're able to harvest information. Um, it's linked to Redline. Some of the programs that were found were specifically from Trojan and backdoor files. So uh, that's that's not looking great for for that. These are some somewhat popular viruses as far as I'm aware. Uh, they're they're easier to make but very difficult to get rid of. Um, there's actually a catch to this. the The simple thing to do would be to just system restore, get it right from from a backup, or even just restarting the the whole system itself, but the programs are actually designed to reinstall themselves as soon as you restart the computer. So you can't just get rid of them like that. You actually have to get an entirely new operating system, one that's not even a part of your computer anymore, completely format your drives, even I would recommend replacing the drives entirely, and reinstalling Windows from a separate Windows install. Either that or getting rid of the computer. And this
0: is something that when I was doing some of the research for this kind of blew me away is that they're just on Amazon.
1: Yeah, they're, they're... they're Amazon. not everywhere, but they're they're just on Amazon. And not only are they they under that name, but they are under a lot of different names. There's a lot of sister companies involved in this. So it's not just one. It's not one. And A I lot actually, of mini PCs. I bought a
0: mini PC very recently to do home server work. And um, right after we were looking into this, I actually had to remote in and start doing a uh, full scan because I didn't know if mine was implicated. But it's frustrating to see this kind of behavior because the average person buying one of these might not even understand what... A full reinstall from a live boot even is, yeah, and that's incredibly predatory, and just very disappointing to see that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand why why somebody would be doing this. Why can't you just legitimately sell your product? I don't know. You you really need to look into the uh, the back end of these different products that you're purchasing and and figure out uh, exactly what their deal is. So, you have to order from legitimate companies. And I was going to just say, for those of you watching this,
0: um, this is a really great example of why sites like Amazon, even sites like B&H, can be incredibly untrustworthy because mm-hmm. even if they have a lot of legitimate reviews, a lot of the people purchasing these and reviewing them might not even necessarily completely know what they have. Yeah. And it can be a really smart and wise, and in this case, safe move to take it to a forum Full and of people who do this for a living. Yeah. And just make a simple inquiry about the quality of the product itself.
1: Yeah. Not it's an extra step and it might take a little bit. And you
0: deal with a lot of people who just are really negative to deal with online. And yeah. I've had that experience personally. You meet some really unsanitary people on there. But it's, in my opinion, when you see something like this, where if you buy this for your home business or for yourself to do banking and such, and you have that potential risk of there being complete backdoors with logging and data yeah, transmit. And
1: it's, it's, not even, it's not even about the initial investment. So what, you lost $400 buying this computer, and it has viruses on it. If you log into anything, they can steal any of your accounts, and if they steal one, I'm sure that your password is the same throughout your accounts. This is just one of those warnings where you should make sure to have different passwords throughout your accounts, use different emails. Use a password manager if you have to. Yeah, if you have to, use a password manager if you can't tolerate remembering those. But you need to be careful with your security, um, especially if you're one of the people who uses your computer for banking or any type of uh, data storage. About it then. Want to do the outro? Sure. Uh, just a reminder, this is uh, Isaac Reed and Aiden Clark from Game Ready Technology. Uh, we sell custom gaming computers and pre-built gaming computers. You can get them for budget prices. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next week for another one. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.